I was, I was talking to Kristen after the last service, and I said, it's, it's tough to sing that song when you're singing it because I want to stop and listen. And then in the end, when she does that, thing, I just, I told her, I said, I almost took a lap. <laughs> I said, but when I'm 51, I'd probably pull a hamstring right about there. And so, um, happy Mother's Day. I, uh, I was thinking about the message today, and just so you know, my message prep is the same every week. I start with a pen, uh, a legal pad, and a Bible, and that's how it starts. And I pray, and I ask God to give me thoughts and ideas, and I'm usually two, three, four weeks out or whatever, but I just start writing down ideas and concepts and all this other stuff. So when I got to today, Mother's Day, it's a little bit challenging to speak on Mother's Day because women are complicated. <laughs> Men, am I right? Now, there's, a, there's always somebody that's going to get mad when you say stuff like that. I'm, we're not complicated. You, you are. For example, when you pack to go on a three-day trip, <laughs> does a woman take three days worth of clothes, or does she take three weeks worth of clothes, men? Let's just go ahead and answer three weeks, yeah. Men, men take one pair of underwear for a three-month trip, that's it, and <laughs> I'll buy it when I get there, but, but women, you have to dress according to how you feel, am I right? You might feel like it's a, a yellow day, or you might feel like it's a blue day, or, and men are like, I don't get it at all. But you're, now, the, a better way to say that, men, if you, if, if you want to make it because you got to dress these words up sometimes. Instead of saying she's complicated, tell her she's mysterious. <laughs> Maybe that'll work. I don't know, but but it, it's true. It, women women are women are mysterious. And so when I was trying to come up, one of the things I try to do when I'm get preparing a message is I try to come up with a concept or an idea that can connect everyone in the room. And that's tough sometimes. So I was thinking about moms and, and, and trying to, I, I had to Google struggles of mothers because I've never, I've never been a mother. And I just read like three articles and I was like, whoo, y'all got it tough. Because mothers are detailed. They know their kids' names, social security numbers, blood types. Men are vaguely aware of small people in their home. They, I mean, we, we just know they're there and we're pretty sure they're ours, but we don't, we'll talk about that on Father's Day. Um, mothers, mothers have it tough. And so finding, finding a concept or an idea that can connect everybody. But then I, I want to, I was like, Lord, I don't want to just speak to mothers. I want to speak to everybody in the room or everybody online. And God gave me a word. Now, when I say a word, literally a word. And this was a word that I wrote down, I circled. And as soon as I wrote it down, I circled. I said, this word right here is how everyone in this room or everyone online feels or has felt at some point in the past. Now, that's where people want to push back and you're like, there's no way you got one word that can connect everybody in the room. And I would say, you're wrong because I do. Here it is. Overwhelmed. Let's pray and go home. Um, No, it's just... Now, if you're not overwhelmed, if you're not overwhelmed, um, you have been in the past. 
Especially, especially moms, when, when you got the baby fed and you got the diaper changed and he or she still won't be quiet and, and you, you're, you're overwhelmed in that moment because you don't know what to do. If you can't find your child, you, you're overwhelmed in that moment. You, you don't know what to do. Um, if you, you go to Target and you had four and you get home and you had three, that's happened, right? I mean, you, men are like, well, I still got three, but like, like women, you're gonna freak out because being a mother is overwhelming. But today, there are people in this room that are completely overwhelmed in life, and this is why. We, the enemy, I think, wants us to get to a place where we think God is, God is through with you. We all experience being overwhelmed. I'm talking about being overwhelmed spiritually, like God is through with you. There's no way that you could do anything significant. It's too late. Your prime is past. Your, your, your best days are in your past and your future. You're just going to exist. And that is nothing but a lie from the pit of hell. So today, if you're overwhelmed spiritually, I want to share four things, concepts with you from a story in the book of Luke that, that Cole actually mentioned a couple weeks ago when he preached. Now, I say that because I'm giving Cole credit. Because if I don't, Cole will get up here and say that I ripped him off. <laughs> Which, by the way, I found out the other day, the very first sermon that Cole ever preached, he confessed to me that he <laughs> preached one of my messages word for word. So, <laughs> Cole, how you like them apples? All right. If, if you're feeling overwhelmed, there's, there's four big ideas that I want to share with you from this story out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Four big ideas, and, and hopefully one or, or all of these ideas will connect with you, but, but by the end of the message, I'm hoping you're going to pick the one idea, and that's the one thing that you walked away with today. Here we go. Number one, if you're feeling overwhelmed, don't lose hope. Now, that kind of sounds patronizing at first, right? Because you're like, okay, that's, that's wonderful. Don't lose hope. But, but you don't know my situation, Pastor Pete. I'm in a hopeless Situation, And there may be somebody here today, you feel you are in a completely hopeless situation. Maybe you feel hopeless spiritually. Like there's no hope for you at all. And I understand, but let's, let's kind of dive into this story. And, and I'm, it's going to take me just a minute to set it up. But once we set it up, it's like an airplane sermon. We're going to have to taxi and then we'll take off. Are, are, are we good? Are you with me? Okay. Going to be a rough morning. Here we go. Luke chapter 1, verse 6. Zechariah... And Elizabeth were, watch this, righteous in God's eyes. Pause. That's all that matters. This is basically Luke telling us, God thinks these are good people. And he goes on to say, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. Now, we all know that, that they didn't obey all the commandments. But what Luke is essentially saying in this verse is that God, when he saw Zechariah and Elizabeth, he was like, you know what? There's two people every morning that wake up and say, we are going to do our best today to pursue the Lord and, and follow the Lord. It, today, it would be like us waking up going, I'm going to do my best today to pursue Jesus in every way possible. So Luke is telling us right off the bat that God says that they're good people, which is important because of verse 7. Verse 7 says... They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. And they were both very old. Now, I wondered 
when I read that. I was like, what? What is very old? What number? And I looked it up and they said about like 65-ish. And I was like, that's not very old. That's kind of old. But back in the Bible times, it was very old, all right? I say that because I'm 51. Um, they were both very old. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to answer because I know, I know the answer. Have you, ever, have you ever judged somebody? Yeah. I, we all talk about being judged like we've all been judged, but we have all looked at somebody and made a judgment. So, and listen, sometimes it's right. Me and Shannon, when we were on vacation recently in Jamaica, um, we were walking around the place where we were, and let's just say that the, the swimwear attire was not, um, people, people wore some different stuff. And a girl came walking, man, girl, I guess it's, I guess it's her husband, my, I don't know, man and woman came walking by us, and she had on a bathing suit with like the dental floss back, y'all know what I'm talking about, which, <laughs> ladies, I don't understand that. I spend all day trying to get one of those out, and y'all pay money to stick it up there, but I, listen, you do you, boo, but. She walked by, and before I could, before I realized it, before I even realized it, have you ever said something and you couldn't stop yourself? She walked by, she was three steps, and I was like, dear God. Shannon was like, what? I was like, somebody doesn't love her. She said, what do you mean? I said, because if somebody loved her, they would have told her no. That's a bad idea for her. Some of y'all are like, Pastor Pete, that's being very judgmental. No, it, no, it was a bad idea. She shouldn't have done it. She should not have done it. Look at the picture. I'm just kidding. We didn't take a picture of <laughs> Here's what's funny. I got some men back when I said that. Hey. Now, the reason I bring that up is because, because people judged Elizabeth. And the way we know people judged Elizabeth is because in this time period, if you could not have a child, then people would, would, would talk about you. Because if you couldn't have a child, that meant that there was something wrong with you. There was something sinful going on in your life. So Luke tells us that God said Zechariah and Elizabeth were good people. But society looked at them and judged them. And they would say, there's probably some secret sin. Because if she were right with God, she would have a child. There's probably, there's probably some family sin going on that we don't know anything about. But they, they might look good, but they're not good because they don't have a child. They would judge. And you know what? When you're in your mid-60s, you pretty much lose hope, don't you, for a child. In your mid-60s, you're planning for a, a grandchild. <laughs> Heck, this is Anderson, great-grandchild. But, but in your mid-60s, you, you, you don't plan for a child. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, Zechariah and Elizabeth go on to become the parents of John the Baptist. So the, the reason I bring that up is because God always chooses the underdog. God always chooses the outcast. God always chooses the person that society has given up on. And the reason I bring that up today is because there's somebody in this room or somebody watching online and you've just about got to that place 
where you've lost hope. I don't want to encourage you today. Based on this story, based on the rest of Scripture, based on what I've seen in my life, don't lose hope because he's the same God that brought the Israelites through the Red Sea. He's the same God that brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fire, and they didn't even smell like smoke. He's the same God that brought Daniel out of the lion's den. Hey, listen. He is a water-walking, grave-robbing, way-making God. And as long as there is air in our lungs, there should be hope in our heart because the tomb is empty, Jesus is alive, and nothing is impossible. Can I get an amen on that one? Yeah! Don't lose hope. Number two, don't, don't stop praying. Now, anytime you talk about prayer in a group like, Group setting, there's all, like, there are people in this room that if I called on you to pray out loud, you would have a heart attack. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and confess. Like if I come to your gathering, if I come to whatever, don't ask me to pray because I, I'm, I'm a horrible prayer. Like it, it's not gonna be, like God's not gonna, like sh the Shekinah glory is not gonna shine. <laughs> I get nervous. I don't, I, I remember one of the, I was a very young Christian. I went to this Bible study and they asked this lady to pray. And when she prayed within 10 seconds, I am weeping. She was one of those people, I don't know if you ever met these people that when they pray, God says, you know what? I'm gonna go hang out and, and with them. God just comes in the room. It's so powerful. And the next week they called on me to pray. And I was like, God, what she said last week. We get nervous when we pray because don't, don't you feel like your prayers have to be polished? Especially if you grew up in church. You, you, all you ever saw was people get fake when they prayed. Like we'd be having a normal conversation. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Should we pray? Let's pray. Oh, righteous Holy Father. <laughs> Did God go deaf? Like what, what, what's happening right now? Are we speaketh in language that we do not sayeth most of the, I mean, it just gets weird. But here's the thing, here's the thing about prayer. This is kind of crazy. Zechariah and Elizabeth were in their mid-60s. I'm gonna go ahead and throw out that they had probably stopped praying for a child. Mid-60s, probably stopped praying. So Zechariah gets chosen to go into the inner court, inner sanctuary, and burn incense. Just incense, okay? He's just burning some incense. And as he's burning incense, this is what Luke tells us. He said, but the angel said, stop. You walk in, you're burning incense, and an angel shows up. This is going to be good. The angel said, don't be afraid. Hey, Paul, anytime an angel appears to somebody in Scripture, over 90% of the time they have to say, don't be afraid. Because they, they are fierce. They, they look fierce. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. Don't you love it when God moves? God just handles the gender reveal and the name just right there in a verse. <laughs> None of that stuff, right? Your prayer has been heard, though. God has heard your prayer. In other words, the, the prayers that you prayed, Zechariah, 20, 30, 40 years ago, God's gonna answer them now. See, when, when we pray, the Bible says those, 
our prayers rise like incense to the throne of God. And, and sometimes, listen, God's time is not our time, but he's always on time and is right on time. So we just, God, sometimes we just gotta keep praying. Now, I know you're pushing back on Pastor B. I don't know how to pray. My prayers sound weird. And listen, praying is nothing more than being honest with God about how you feel. So if they're not polished, pray them anyway. Because God, in the Bible, there's a man named David, and we, he is known, one of the nicknames he's given in the Bible is a man after God's own heart. And I love that because as we read the Psalms, have you read some of David's prayers? And I don't think these are prayers we should necessarily pray, but I think God put these prayers in the Bible to show us it's okay to get real with him. Watch this prayer. This, now, this is David, a man after God's own heart. And he had evidently, I don't know what happened. He got in the wrong checkout line. He got stuck in traffic. But watch this prayer. This is crazy. Arise, O Lord. Rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. The, whoa! <laughs> Try that at your next, next time you're asked to pray. Dear God, I wish you'd slap all these people in the face in the name of Jesus, amen. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I want to pray that. Now, I'm not saying we should pray this. I'm just saying, David, when you pray slap my enemies in the face, you're, you're mad, aren't you? And then he goes to the next level. Watch what he said. This is, this is intense. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Dear Lord. Well, how you doing? I, I just... I probably shouldn't have done that. It probably got personal in this service, right? Yes. Have you ever have you ever felt like have you ever felt like God's forgotten you? And and in those moments, that's when you don't want to pray. Watch what David said. David said, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? David is just being real, going, God, where are you? I got mad about something yesterday. I'm not gonna tell you what, but I got mad about something. And I, and I just told God, I told God, I'm literally, I was praying to God. I said, God, I am so, I am so pissed right now. I was just raw, I was real, I was honest. And when I got done, God was like, you done? You finished? You better calm down. But I love the fact that, listen, you, if, if you're feeling it, go ahead and say it because it's not like he doesn't know it. Because here's the thing about prayer. Prayer doesn't change God, it changes us. Watch this next prayer that David prayed. I love it because in mid-prayer, God changes him. Watch what happens. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. He's going, you know what? I'm tired of being discouraged. I'm tired of being sad. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to praise him anyway. Things look bad. I'm going to praise him anyway. It's raining outside. I'm going to praise him anyway. I can't make my car payment, but I'm going to praise him anyway because I'm living inside. I've got options for clothes. I'm, I know he's going to take care of me. When we pray, God, we don't change God. God changes us, which brings me to number three, don't stop trying. 
moms especially, don't, don't stop trying. I try to find humor in just about every situation. Most of the time it's appropriate. <laughs> so other time we won't talk about that, but like most of the time it's appropriate and I like to find humor in scripture because there's some funny stuff in scripture, but sometimes you gotta dig a little bit to find it. So let's just go back to the situation. Zechariah, he's about 65 years old, walks in, there's an angel. Now let me pause real quick. If you got in your car today and you went home and walked into your house and there was an angel standing there, would you consider this to be a sign from God? Yes or no? Yes, okay. Clearly a sign from God. Zechariah gets a little freaked out. He gets a little caught up in the moment. Zechariah says, y'all are going to have a son. Name him John. And this is Zechariah's response. Watch what he said. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure? Pause. Zechariah, come here. You're talking to an angel. I'm going to show you in a minute. Don't, don't, don't piss an angel off. He does. Watch this. How can I be sure of this? How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. In other words, this is what he's saying. Yeah, that sounds great. Can you give me a sign? Like, can you let me, how, how do I know this? Can you, can you give me like an ID card or something like that? And watch what the angel does. I'm telling you telling you, angel loses his temper a little bit. Then the angel said, watch this, I am Gabriel. Notice the exclamation point. When you get an angel yelling at you, you have messed up. I am Gabriel. Hello. Hello. I'm an angel. Look at these wings, baby. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Exclamation. Well, you got the angel. He is yelling. Wings are flying. Zechariah messed his pants a little bit, I'm sure. Verse 20. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. And he was like, took off. So, stay with me here. Stay with me. This is really important. Zechariah, because of his lack of faith, experienced a limitation. Am I correct? But his limitation was that he wasn't able to talk. See, sometimes, the reason I say that is because sometimes we will let a certain limitation lock us in, and we won't continue to try to take God at his word. God told him he couldn't talk, but he was going to have a son. You can't talk, but you're going to have a child. You can't talk, this is important, but you're going to have a child. Do you have to talk to have a baby? I mean, I went, I went to public school, but even I know. Watch this. 
Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why it was taking so long. Earlier in the text, it said they were praying for him. It's just like church people. God, move. God, move in there. God, do something powerful. Dear Lord, the line at Olive Garden is getting long. <laughs> and watch what, this is funny, watch this. When he did finally come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures that he, and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. He came out, eyes like this big. Zechariah, what happened? People are like, okay. Somebody needs to go in and check the incense. There might be something else in there. So he couldn't talk. He couldn't talk. Watch this. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home with his limitation. But his limitation didn't lock him out of following God and taking God at his word, because watch this. Soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. Did he take God at his word? The answer is yes. Yeah. We don't know how it happened. I would like to think and maybe he got home. She's like, well, you're not talking a whole lot. What you want to do? He said. <laughs> Some of you that are a little bit younger are like, what was that? Worship music. <laughs> it's actually how you got here. And Elizabeth was like, Woo! Save a horse, ride a cowboy. And then that was on. So, verse. <laughs> how kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Don't stop trying. Listen, I'm here, I'm on this stage. I am on this stage today because I had a mother that didn't stop trying when it came to me going to church. Can you, listen, I was a kid back when ADHD was not diagnosed. I was, I mean, I was a wild child. My mother, every Sunday, she's like, you're going to church today. I don't want to go to church. She's like, you don't have a choice. I said, why does dad get to stay at home? She said, I can't make him go. I can make you go. One Sunday, I said, you can't make me go. <laughs> One time's all it took. <laughs> she taught me that she could. My, she didn't quit trying. She worked second shift just, just, to have, just so my family would have the money for me to go to Christian school. So I could, I was studying the Bible as a non-Christian. How crazy is that? I'm here today because a mother would not give up on me. She didn't stop trying. Now, it took a minute, but it eventually paid off, which leads to point number four. Do not compromise. It's kind of funny. I had a dream this week, um, and it's one of my favorite dreams. Every once in a while, I get to have one of those dreams that I'm flying. You know what I'm talking about? If you ever had a dream that you're flying, it is... Doesn't it feel so cool? It, it just feels good. I wish I could fly. I wish I could fly. 
So let's say that one morning I woke up and I, after I had those, I came in the second chance and I said, today guys, I just need to let y'all know, I no longer identify as a human. I'm a bird. And today after the service, I want y'all to all go out in the parking lot and I'm gonna jump off the building and I'm going to fly. Everybody in this room would think, you know what? He has moved from drinking to drugs because your boy, he ain't right. I'm not a bird. I can't fly. And that's why I believe when, it, when I say do not compromise, that's on a macro level. But, but when it, I'm, listen, I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm just telling you there's some things that we can't compromise as believers in Christ, and, and one of them is, but women can have babies, and men cannot. Stop. Ten years ago, that was not a controversial statement, but today, people get mad. Don't tell men they can't have, men, not only can you not have a baby, you don't want to have a baby. Dear God, really? It's, 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 we, we can't compromise God's word. One of the things I love about what's going on in America right now is we're seeing, we're seeing, we're seeing a movement literally from extreme left. We're, we're seeing a movement starting to come back to the right a little bit. And, and I've done some research and I traced it back. You know, you know when things started getting hot, especially around school systems and school boards, when COVID hit and our kids came home and we had to educate them there and moms started paying attention to what the kids were being taught, they started going to school board meetings. You can, you can look, you can research this. Mama, when mama bear turns into mama bear, you better watch out. And there's just some things as followers of Christ that we, we can't compromise. Now listen, we don't have to be angry. We don't have to be rude. We don't have to be mean. But I can, I can say women are women and men are men and women. Can, women are the only ones that can have babies. It, it gets personal too. Like us, compromising our faith. We've, we've got to hold on to Jesus even when we feel like everything else is falling apart. We gotta take him at his word and hold on. And we live in a world where it's just easy to compromise. Is it not? So watch what happened. The angel told Zechariah to name him John. When, when the baby was, <laughs> I'm sorry. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. Pause. Aren't you glad we don't have that party today? <laughs> Y'all come on over. We're going circum to circumcise Hank. All right, well, you know what? I got something to do. I'm going to miss that whole thing. Take pic In fact, don't take pictures. Just, But it was a big deal. But don't miss this. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. Who were they? I would bet you that they were some of the same people that used to talk junk about Zachariah. You know, but she's sinful. 
You know what? There's something going on in her life. She's ungodly. She's, oh, she's pregnant? Isn't it funny how, how they, will, they, they will show up because they always want to tell you what to do. They all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah. Isn't it funny when the world wants to name your child? Isn't it funny when the world wants to tell your child what to do and you have no say? We, that's where we got to have some of the tough conversations with our children. We got we to be willing to step into that. And I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's uncomfortable. Keep going. But Elizabeth said no. His name is John. I love this. This is Mama Bear right here. She didn't try to make sure everybody felt good. Now, I don't want anybody to get offended. And I don't want anybody to get upset. I want everybody to be okay. She's like, no, his name's John. And so they, they, didn't, they didn't like that. What? They exclaimed, there is no one in all your family by that name because they are gonna keep coming after you and putting pressure on you and me to compromise. Goes on to say, so they used gestures to ask the baby's father, what he wanted to name him. You want to name the baby. And so he motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Don't you love that? This is the dad. His name's John. Just Now, watch what happens when Elizabeth and Zechariah come into it. I want, to show, I, want, I want you to see the power of agreement. When the husband and the wife agree, watch what happens. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again and he began praising God. There is power in agreement. When a husband and a wife will come together and both of them agree with what God has said, there is so much power and so much freedom in that. They wouldn't compromise. And it gets personal because, well, moms and dads, but moms because today's Mother's Day, your kids are watching. They don't need you to be perfect. They don't need you to be perfect. But they, they need you to do your best just to be consistent. Because what happened, and, and listen, this is to the person in the room that feels like your best days are behind you, there's nothing for you in the future, you would call yourself a lost cause. Just like before this story, Zechariah and Elizabeth would have probably said, you know what, we're hopeless, we need to quit trying, we're a lost cause, nothing good is gonna happen to us. But then God moved when he was ready, not when they were, they were ready. And what did Jesus say? about John the Baptist. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Jesus said, it's the greatest man that's ever lived because he had a mom and a dad that kept some hope, kept trying, kept praying, and refused to compromise. Let me circle back to that whole mother thing. The, the, reason, the reason I'm wearing yellow today is yellow was my mom's favorite color. I try to wear something yellow on Mother's Day just to kind of honor her. And I knew her for 11 years. She was, she was the godliest woman 
that I knew. She wasn't perfect, but she was godly. And she didn't compromise. I never will forget, and many of you, if you've ever heard me talk about my mom, you know the story. I'd, I would walk in the kitchen from my bedroom. I'd walk down the hall, and the kitchen table had a round kitchen table. And she'd be sitting in the same spot every morning with her Bible open and a cup of coffee and a cigarette. I loved it. I loved it. I'd go sit down with her. What you reading? What you reading? What you reading? And, and I asked her one day, I said, what, what are you doing? What is this? And she said, this is, my, this is my personal time with Jesus. This is me spending time with Jesus. I'd never really, that's the first time I'd ever heard of like a quiet time or anything like that. So the summer before my sixth grade year, she got diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I remember her at the hospital. We were having the conversation with the doctors. She's there, my dad's there, the doctors are there. And she just asked him, she said, am I gonna die? Because the doctors are whispering. And they just looked at her. She said, if I'm gonna die, send me home. Like, I don't wanna go home. They're like, we can keep you comfortable here, Miss Noble. She's like, no, you can't. I'm comfortable in my house. Send me home to my house. And so we brought her home. Now, in my living room, in our living room, we had, my mom and dad had matching recliners. And, uh, and so she would, this was her recliner on this side. She sat on this side. And she couldn't lay down in bed because she could sit in that recliner and it kind of held her up a little bit. I'll never will forget the first morning she was home after coming home from the hospital, finding out she was, and she was in a lot of pain. I got up and I walked into the kitchen and for the first time since I could remember, she wasn't sitting at the table. She didn't have coffee and she didn't have cigarettes. And she didn't have a Bible open. She was sitting in the recliner. And she's sitting there like this and she's got the biggest smile on her face. So I just whispered, because I didn't know if she was asleep or not. I said, Mama. She opened her eyes, she looked, she said, yes. I said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm spending time with Jesus. She couldn't get to the table. She couldn't open the Bible. She couldn't get her coffee. I just remember her in that chair. Cancer was taking her body, but it couldn't take her courage and it couldn't take her faith. I've never forgotten that. It's that thing that just challenges me when I want to give up to not compromise. I was 11. It's, I'm 51 now, and it's, I can still see it. I can still see that peace on her face that passes all understanding. So I'm just telling you, moms, you're making a bigger difference than you could ever imagine. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to thank you today, God, for every single person in this room. God, I wanna thank you. Um, I wanna thank you for all the work that you're doing that, that we can't even, we can't even see. 
God, I wanna pray for the person in this room that's lost hope, the person that wants to give up on praying, the person that just wants to quit, struggling to believe your word, God, for the person that's wanting to compromise today. God, I just pray that you would speak so clear because God, you're working. God, you are at work. You are always at work. You're the same yesterday and today and forever. Because God, I wanna thank you so much that even when we can't see it, God, that you're working. And even when we can't feel it, God, you're working. And we know that you're a way maker and a promise keeper and a miracle worker and a light in the darkness. You never stop working. Jesus, I wanna thank you today God, I just wanna come before you right now and thank you, God, that you are at work for, for your glory and our good. With heads bowed and eyes closed, what, what do you need God to do in your life right now? Do you need him to be a way maker? Is there a promise that you need to hold on to? Is there a miracle you need to see? You need him to make something clear for you by shining light on it. Whatever that is, just take where you stand and turn it into your personal altar right now and just tell God, Jesus, this is, this is what I need. This is what I need. This is what I need. He will meet you there. He will, he will meet you there. Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and forgive your sins. You've never turned your life over to Jesus and today, Today's the day. Today's the day you're going to give your life to Christ. You know that's your next step. If that's you and you know you need to give your life to Christ, I'm gonna invite you to pray with me in just a second. I'm gonna invite you to pray out loud, but not alone, because we here at Second Chance, we're gonna pray it, we're gonna pray this prayer with you so you can know you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus, being supported by a church family. So if you wanna pray to receive Christ, you pray this out loud at Second Church family, let's pray it with them, say, Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer and gave your life to Christ, I wanna pray with you and I wanna pray for you. So if you just prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor and just put your hand, just shoot your hand straight up in the air where I can see it because I wanna pray with you all over the room. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Anybody else on this side? On this side? Thank you, hands, 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 hands. Father, I wanna thank you so much. Amen, amen, ma'am. Thank you so much. Father, I wanna thank you for every one of these hands that have gone up. I wanna thank you that every single Sunday, you meet us in this place. God, I wanna thank you for salvation. God, I wanna thank you for changed lives. God, I wanna thank you for the reminder that in you there is always hope. And God, I wanna pray a special blessing on every mother today, that you would bless them and keep them, that your face would shine upon them, that you would protect them, that you would provide for them, and they would know that you are more than 
able. We love you, Jesus. We declare that you are Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that agreed said amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church today? We'll see y'all back next Sunday or either 5 o'clock tonight. God bless.